Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 64. We're going to begin on page 229 with the section titled Complacency. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Eva P., what's happening? Hey, everybody, Eva P. here. Uh, my claim date is June 10, 2000. I do uh, meetings in the Salem, Oregon area, Mid-Willamette Valley. My home group is the Do It Hard meeting, and we meet tonight at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right, thanks, Eva. What's up, Lee P.? Hey, Douglas. Lee Attic, uh, clean date 827.87. I go to meetings in New Orleans, and my home group is the Open Mind Hybrid Meeting of Narcotics Anonymous, Monday, 7.30. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. I attend meetings in the greater Sacramento area in California, and my home group is The Journey Within. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Lisa? Hey, I'm Lisa H. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. Um, I attend meetings in central Western Pennsylvania, and my home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. Thanks, Lisa. What's happening, Barb? Hey, Douglas. My name is Barb R. I live in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. My clean date is October 4th, 1995, and my home group is the hybrid meeting of Open Mind in New Orleans, too. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Jane? Thanks, Douglas. Jane A. I live in the Great Northwest. Ten meetings in the Salem area. My clean date is December 22nd, 1979. And I also have a home group of the Noon Basic Study Text. Thanks, Jane. We're going to kick it over to Paul and Carl. What's happening, fellas? Hey, uh, I'm Paul. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is January 6, 1995. I attend meetings in New Orleans, and my home group is Open Mind as well. And I'm Carl. I'm an addict. My clean date is January 6th as well, but of 2015. And my home group is also Open Mind, New Orleans. All right. Thanks, fellas. And we have a guest this evening. Just celebrated two birthday cakes. Woo! Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Carrie. I'm an addict. I live in the Outer Banks area of North Carolina, attend meetings there and do tons of Zoom meetings. I'm in between my home groups right now. So we just moved a few months ago. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you can hang out with us. Oh, tonight, my clean Carrie. Date. Oh. Well, I guess we just said that. Yeah. Sorry. November, November 7th, 2020. Wonderful. Thanks for hanging out. And folks, I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. I go clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go. Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast this is episode 64. I'm going to begin on page 229 with complacency. Paul is going to facilitate. Take it away, Paul. Thanks, Douglas. It's great to be back with you. I've been on hiatus working, 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 but I'm glad to be with everybody tonight. Uh, all right, Jane, I'm going to kick it over to you for the first two paragraphs and share. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Complacency. It's a watchword for all of us, but it shows up in different ways at different times. Most of all, what we know about complacency is that we rarely recognize it when we're in it. In some ways, there's not much sense in trying to talk about it before we experience it. We always believe our own experience will be different. Most of us don't recognize it until it hurts. We may not know we have a reservation until we bump up against it. Reservations can be surprising, not what we predicted at all. Some of us struggle with pride and complacency when we finish the steps. Others lose hope when we are going through a hard time. 
some of us have shared that it got hard when things not got good. Our lives get better and we think, okay, I'm done. Complacency lies in the gulf between desperation and passion. Not only do we risk losing what we have, we miss out on the opportunity to get even better. Not seeing the hope that lies before us, we stop seeing the fear that lingers behind us. Rather than moving from desperation to passion, we move from desperation to complacency. It may be better than what we had, but we are still shortchanging ourselves. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but thinking because I, I knew we were going to talk about complacency. That was pretty cool that that uh, ninety-eight point nine percent of all of us have home groups that we're active in, and I know that that is one of the one of the ingredients of barring away from complacency is having meetings that we attend to and feel a responsibility for them. Um, I certainly have finished, I like it says, with pride and complacency when we finish the steps. It's like, I finished the project. I can just relax now. And I can't tell you how many times I've had girls saying, you know, we just finished a set of steps. So how about, you know, we just relax and take it easy for six or eight months and then come back to it again. And, um, and, I, and I think it's that pride and arrogance that having finished the steps somehow or another, I'm um, exempt from relapse. I'm exempt from the, the disease ruin its ugly head. And I love the part here that talks about complacently lies in the gulf between desperation and passion and desperation and complacency. That um, when I have the passion going, uh, I'm right on it. And when I start getting into depression or we start getting into uh, sidestepped into other priorities in life, the complacency sneaks in. It's it's such a thief in the middle of the night kind of thing. It very uh, for me it usually I lean in when things are bad uh, or rough. Um, but I can I can certainly feel like ooh let's just cut back on some meetings and go do some fun stuff like get in pajamas and go to bed before ten, you know, kind of thing. I know that conferences and conventions are one way that really zaps up my passion and gets me going and. Uh, and a, a new person. I've got two new sponsees this last month. And uh, and so I'm going back into the book and reading and talking with them. And that always builds my passion up too and keeps me away from it. So that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks, Jane. Uh, Jennifer, is that a hand up? I... <laughs> uh, that was not a hand up. That was just a hand signal. Um, yeah, I, the funny thing at the beginning there was most of all uh most of all what we know about complacency is that we rarely recognize it when we're in it and that's the that's the denial of complacency you know what i mean I, everything's fine i'm fine and it talks about that gulf between uh desperation and passion and that sounds like when I, it kind of references the falling off of the uh, of the pink cloud kind of thing because that's what happens after the desperation eases and the passion hasn't taken hold yet, and that we can kind of drift off in that stream of complacency. But you know, that can happen anytime. That can happen without you know, kind of knowledge. And Jane's just right. There's things that can help with that. I worked a six step with a sponsee today and I don't know what he got out of it, but I'll tell you what, I got out a lot out of it. Just being present with someone else going, oh, these are all my character defects and I'm still loved by my higher power. I'm still loved by my sponsor and I'm still okay. These are all of these things that have, you know, I got high over, I beat myself up over, all of these things are on a piece of paper and I'm still loved. And uh, that's important. That's important to witness it. It's important to see it. It's important to remind myself of it, all of those things. So um, get involved get involved the other thing is you know we can't we, terminal hypnosis and fatally cool they talk about us we can't we can't be too committed to anything you know what i mean i i, I think that we get 
somewhere along the line, we if we found out we became something was important to us, it got ripped away somehow, or we got judged for it, or we got made fun of about it. So we all like to just kind of, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I like to keep a certain amount of emotional distance so that you can't fucking hurt me anymore with it. So I just will keep above the fray just a little bit. And the, the, the danger with that is that can turn into complacency very easily. And I don't wanna look like I care too much because you get me when I care too much. You hurt me with, when I care too much. And so uh, I, you know, I need to leave that behind. So, all right, uh, seeing no hands, we'll move on. Eva P, up in my right corner, take the next two, please. Ooh, they're big two, too. <laughs> okay, our stories of complacency are much the same. We get lost in work or worship or some other activity think that NA is stifling or limiting our growth in some way or that we have grown past this recovery stuff. We lose a sponsor or move and just never reconnect. Sometimes it's a gradual process. We drift away from friends, stop going to meetings or get busy at work or start developing resentment. A little at a time, we stop working on our recovery and our disease starts gaining a foothold we can lose everything to a failure of imagination. Thinking that we no longer have to be vigilant about meeting attendance, step work, or sponsorship can lead us to, predict, to predictable places. I was on the road of a lot for work, one member shared, and it stopped being a big deal to not show up. We can't see how addiction is affecting us especially the destruction looks especially when destruction looks different than before it is possible to lull ourselves to sleep in this program and to think we are still awake the living skills we gain in recovery can become part of our denial structure it's like it's not that everyone who does this relapses but it seems that nearly everyone who relapses after staying clean for a while shares this part of the story. The risk of relapse doesn't end when we get some clean time. A member with many years clean admitted, to this day, I still try to talk to myself, I still try to talk myself out of qualifying for this program. The majority of my problems are related to my self-centeredness and immaturity, and I want to separate from my addiction. I start thinking, you're older now, wiser, and more mature. Real addicts don't stay clean this long. <laughs> my own clean time becomes a reservation. Some of us fear cont contentment or serenity because it might look like or lead to complacency. If there's nothing left to fight against, will there be anything left to strive for? Finding the balance is a challenge. We can slow down without stopping. We can learn to be content without being complacent. We can be very happy with our lives as they are and still not stop doing the basics. Whew. So, um, you know, I think I heard it last week Somebody said, I think it was Barbara. I wrote it down. Um, where did I write it? If you stay in the basics, you don't have to go back to the basics. Maybe it was Lee. Or Barbara. It was Barbara. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that's the truth. I. Uh, I don't, I can remember in the, at about 10 years clean, I, uh, I was working like 60, 80 hours a week and, um, meetings became less and less and less and less. And, um, 
it's a requirement still for my sponsor to sponsor me that I go to a certain amount of meetings. And um, that's just how it is. Like if I want my sponsor to be my sponsor, she has certain, certain requirements and um, step work and meetings and service work are those things. And if I don't do those things, then she's like, then you need to find a different sponsor because that's what a sponsor is. And so she called me one day and said, how many meetings are you going to? And I'm like, you know, all the excuses. Well, I'm working this many hours. And then, you know, I get up at four o'clock in the morning and by six o'clock, I want to eat dinner and I want to settle in and go to bed by seven. And all the meetings are at seven. And she said, then start a meeting at six. So I, I had to start a meeting. I didn't have to, but if I wanted to, I, listen, my sponsor is so important to me that I started a meeting at six. <laughs> so, um, I, I just, um, I've never not done these things because I'm so scared of, I've watched so many people ride out on a zeal of, of, um, worship or work, you know, that I've never not done the basics. I'm so scared of getting loaded, you guys, that I, I, um, I try to live outside of complacency and just stay in the basics. So I'm going to let somebody else share today. Thanks, Eva. Uh, Lee, jump on in. Thanks, Paul. Um, what a timely topic, huh? And I, I think it was Barb that said, if you never stop doing the basics, you never have to get back to them. Thank you, Barbara. You are just so awesome. Um, I have so much stuff highlighted in these paragraphs. It's crazy. Um, I think it was Freud who, who said that imagination is more important than knowledge. And, and they talk about we can lose everything to a failure of, of imagination. Um, and I'm going to share this because I was talking to, to one of my guys about it, and I think it's just really important. It is possible to lull ourselves to sleep in this program and think that we are still awake. And, and he and I talk about <clears throat> the different ways we put ourselves to sleep. Um, and this is, a, this is one, and maybe, maybe Jane and I will have to talk offline about it, but for a few meetings in a row, um, I ended up being the person with the most clean time in the room. And uh, Einstein, that's right, not Freud. Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I have ACRS, I can't remember. Um, and, you know, we had a spiritual awakening and now we're woke and, and we're doing these basics and we're trying to stay in the mix. and. And then all of a sudden my disease says, man, you're not, you're not okay in here with, with, with the most time. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and I've been in a big struggle for months now, since August, middle of August, right before my anniversary. Um, and I've been doing a lot, of, a lot of different things besides the program basics, you know? And so, <clears throat> some of the confusion and people always freak out. Hey, if you're listening and you're new and you feel confused, right on, because confusion leads to breakthrough. So what started happening, I started doing these exercises from this other book. <clears throat> and it turned out, it turned out that my self-centeredness and my immaturity is why I was angry so much at a time. And all I needed was more forgiveness. Um I wish y'all could see that on the podcast. My, my mind is still blown <clears throat> over, over, over that breakthrough. Um, and then another part that, that really stands out to me is that there's nothing left to fight against. Will there be anything left to strive for? And, and I hear so many people, and I heard it last night at home group, I'm a rebel and I, uh, uh, I got to fight, man. But in the first, first step, if we surrendered, we, we would never have to fight again. And I read that somewhere. And I, that's my three minutes. So I'm going to yield the floor. And I was hoping a hand went up in New Orleans, but I didn't see it go up. That's okay. Thanks. 
Thank you. Jennifer, come on in. Thanks, Paul. Um, this, this, um, set, these paragraphs really kind of spoke to me and in, in, in a, in a way that reminded me kind of like how I got here, where I came from, where I am now, um, you know, and all of those little like middle in between areas of my recovery. And, and, you know, I'm coming up on an anniversary. So of course, you know, I'm doing this whole reflecting thing and what the year's been like and yada, yada, yada. But I'll tell you um, this line, we can't see how addiction is affecting us, especially when the destruction looks different than before. Has my disease manifested its way in ways that are, you know, outside of putting drugs in my body? That's fucking me. You know what I mean? I And I have found myself in places in recovery where, you know, all of a sudden my, my new addiction was you. And I was going to tell you how to live your life. And I was going to manage you and I was going to control you. And I was going to fix you. And when I say you, I mean, my ex-husband probably, which is why he's my ex-husband, but, um, it just didn't work. You know what I mean? And I found myself in a place of desperation again, I didn't want to get loaded, but I didn't know how to live. And, um, and I had, you know, Barb talks about it all the time. I had to go to another program. I had to go to Al-Anon and I had to work on my codependency period, end of story, you know, and, and that's the reality of my disease. You know, it, it, it gets this little hold of me and I'll be cruising through life and things are great. And all of a sudden I've got this new little thing over here and I'm like, wait a minute, I kind of like this, or this is fun, or this is new. And like, I want to like, not let my higher power have it. Like, cause I don't even realize, cause I'm in denial. Don't even realize it's actually happening yet until I'm in the midst of the creation of my own shit. And, um, and that's when I read through this, I was like, you know, I'm so lucky to have the sponsor that I have today. You know, my, my first sponsor that I worked my first 12 with got really complacent and I kind of tried to follow her through that and hopefully was to stay with her. And, you know, she's been, you know, on a run for the last 15 years, you know, and I had to find a new sponsor, you know, she got loaded and, and today I have this woman in my life that is, um, she's one of these sponsors. It's like, I don't, she, you know, I don't care how much time you have. I don't how many, care how many times you've worked the steps. I don't care, you know, if you feel like you need a break, like what are, you know, we finish around the steps and she's like, we used to meet at borders and try to find some books that we hadn't done before to find, you know, just to work on ourselves. And then we'd sit on the floor in the self-help section and see what we could find to, you know, work on. Um, you know, and that's what I work with. And, um, and I'm so grateful because I'm at this point in my recovery where we can be very happy with our lives as they are and still not stop doing the basics. And, and, and all of my predecessors taught me that I was told very early on that I don't get to not go to meetings. I mean, I can, but the consequences are too grave for me, you know, um, not working steps, consequences are too grave. Like I didn't, there are certain things in my recovery that stuck with me with the people that I had in my life. And so like, I saw people, other people do it. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I see that. I get that. I don't want to be that. And, and I still learn lessons like that someday. And sometimes I have to create my own lessons, but that commitment right there. And Douglas talks about it all the time. The commitment to staying clean is doing those things, the basics that we do that Barb said, I think it was last week when she said that I don't stop doing the basics. I don't have to start doing them again, you know? Um, and, and the recovery process changes and it ebbs and flows, but there are specific things, my formula for recovery that I've learned that works for me. And I learned that from a, a ton of other people, um, from a sponsor that, 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 you know, um, has what I continues to have what I want you know, and she has what she wants, which is a definition that somebody told me about when I first, you know, I had a couple of years and somebody was like, find a sponsor that has what they want. Like you may want it, but do they want it? And, um, and she does, you know, um, and that commitment right there is it, it keeps me happy with my life. And those little, those little areas of my life that I've had to work on, thank God, you know, that I had a sponsor that, you know, fucking goes down on and, all that other stuff. And she presented it to me for five years before I decided to make a change. So if you're out there and you're wondering why your life's so crazy, like you don't have to wait five years, you can work on it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not always so, always so willing, but anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. Barb, jumping in. Oops. Thanks, Paul. Um, 
first I want to clarify my sponsor said that not me and my sponsor usually tells me that when I'm not in the basics <laughs> you know if you stay in the basics you don't have to go back to so I wish I was that brilliant but um I like this, I'm gonna jump back like I always do. Not only do we risk losing what we have, we miss out on the opportunity to get even better. And um, what I've learned in recovery is, is um, I have to be in, in the process of, you know, of the steps of, um, of recovery or I'm not growing, you know? And in early recovery, my son was ADD. He was off the chain. I had to go to therapy for counseling. I couldn't, I would, and I was a single mom and I would go to a meeting and need a meeting because he would not behave at the meeting and my parenting skills, you know, so I had to work on this. My point being, there was times of complacency, you know, and, and I, and it was dangerous looking back now, it was dangerous, dangerous, and I didn't grow as much, you know, I, I didn't grow. And then I like this where it says, it is possible to lull ourselves asleep in this program and think we are still awake. What that made me think of, I remember going to a speaker meeting and hearing this kid, Ethan, speak. And he got so brutally honest. He shared about um, breaking shit, breaking uh, limbs deliberately to get pain pills, to go and get pain pills and stuff. The next day he went out and OD'd. And I remember telling my friend, Teddy, I said, I thought he was doing so good. He got so real. And my friend, Teddy said, we always think we're doing good, you know, and I've never, I remember that every day, you know, and if I catch myself thinking I'm doing good, you know, it's kind of like being spiritually fit, you know, I'm not a real good gauge for any of that stuff. I'll tell you, I'm spiritually fit and get up from prayer and meditation and be a Walmart cussing somebody out, you know. So, um, and then I like this, my own clean time becomes a reservation. I got a, a I had a, a, there was an old timer marble gene that always said, I have a disease that tells me I don't have a disease. And I have had thoughts like, and I went down the elevator pretty damn low, you know, but I have a forgetter. I'll forget that shit. Cause I've been a few years here, you know? And, and I have had thoughts like, well, alcohol was never your drug of choice. You didn't even like alcohol. You know, you've been clean, you know, 27 years. You might be able to have a drink. And it's like, what the fuck, Barb? But that's it. You know, my own clean time becomes a reservation. I have to constantly go see newcomers and get in touch with where I can't remember where I came from. Because, you know, I have a forgetter. I will forget it. You know, and I think in the other fellowship, it says something about we, there will come a time without where without sufficient force, we won't be able to recall our last, you know, our last run, you know. And so because um, a lot of people always say, oh, I never forget where I came from. You know, well, I forget a whole bunch of shit. I got to go to meetings all the time. And you guys say, tell me the same thing that I heard before, you know, and it clicks. So um, that's some of the stuff that jumped out at me. Thanks. Thanks, Barb. Uh, Carl. So I'm the one that Lee was talking to earlier about complacency. Um, and I like how it's worded. And it's, here's the funny part. It's not like I don't do all these things. I mean, I've got coming up on eight years clean. I've been through the steps four times. I've worked traditions. I do service. I sponsor multiple guys, take them through steps. And it's still funny that I still relax into letting go of meditation, letting go of routine, like letting go of these things. And I, I find that, you know, I've shared about it often. Um, just being where I'm at in recovery is I start to lose this like wonder. And I love how it talks about um, like finding balance. Well, there's another part in there too, but is a challenge. We can slow down without stopping. You know, I've had a relationship with, with a woman outside of recovery for years and, and she's like, she's not in recovery and she doesn't know addiction. And she, she often says, that's the real difference between people and addicts is addicts inability to moderate feelings, social media, drugs, like, you know, and I look at my dad, you know, he'll, he'll drink a drink and then he'll fill his glass up with water and say, okay, that's enough for me. You know, and then I look at other people and they're, you know, they have one drink and they're like, fuck it, I'm getting wasted tonight and go all the way with it, you know, or it's 
hey, I'm, I'm going to get swole and I'm going all the way, working out twice a day, taking steroids, competing, you know, posting on social media about success. And it's like, and that's the part lulling myself to sleep. I think because I'm doing positive shit that it can't make my life unmanageable. And I think that um, that's the hard part for me too, is my balance. So I'm, I'm like, I'm obsessed with routine and structure. And I feel like those things really do solve a lot of issues for me because it gives me so much routine and structure. I wake up, I meditate, I exercise, I make my bed, you know, and I've done these things successfully for years. Um, I can't remember. I know I have three minutes. I don't remember where I started, but um, that's been the challenge for me. You know, it's, and also how do I, I think the biggest piece for me is like when I'm awake or asleep is, Am I being present with others? Am I giving my full attention? And I know at times, like when I'm using social media and I'm using these things and I lose, I, I truly do start to like, stop giving a shit when people are talking. Like I'll be on the phone with a sponsee, I'm playing on social media, you know, or I'm on the phone with my sponsor or whatever, you know what I mean? He's just babbling along and uh, I'm just playing on social media, you know, and I'm like, that, but that ain't awake. You know what I'm saying? I'm still talking to my sponsor, but I'm on social media while he's talking. And um, so those are some of the things that that's the challenge of routine. Yeah, I'm still doing it, but it doesn't mean shit to me, you know, and it's I want to get back to that place of having more passion. And it talks about it in there is that balance between passion and desperation you know i don't want to get to be desperate before i can you know turn it back into to being passionate and i i love i have a few new sponsees right now man they're they're killing it you know and it definitely like sets a new fire kind of under me and makes me strive to be more present and um so thanks for letting me share thanks um I, the sentence that hit me um we can lose everything to a failure of imagination and for me, imagination is most present in, in the we of the program. When I can see the world differently through your eyes, sponsee, sponsor, friends, loved ones, if I can see the world differently because of your input into my life, then I'm set up for success. That will take me faster out of complacency than anything because complacency at its core is self-absorption it's all about me and that's where complacency comes in when I'm worried about me and what I'm doing and how I want and what I want and me and me and I and I I am never complacent when I'm being of service to others I am not there so that's the thing that that I need more than I need anything is is you all to fire my imagination. All right, uh, Douglas, let's go to the last two paragraphs for this chapter, please. All right, thanks, Paul. Here we go. Just as a battery can't recharge itself, chances are we can't put the spark back into our own recovery without some outside power. Participation in the life of our fellowship keeps NA alive, but it also keeps the spirit of recovery alive within us. Didn't know how much faith I had until I lost to the members here. Recovery started seem started to seem meaningless, dry and cynical. I couldn't check the negativity by myself. I had to seek out opportunities to witness the miracle happening. Connected with those who have enthusiasm and hope is a beginning. Thinking about recovery never helps as much as getting out and taking action, especially when we don't want to. When what we're doing isn't working, we stop. We stop. But when what we're doing is half halfway working, we tend to keep going even if it's uncomfortable because we're used to it sometimes it seems like the longer we are clean the less we are willing just like in the beginning we may have have to fight our impulses and make ourselves do what we know is right celebrations can propel us out of complacency and many members find that a good convention or retreat can get the gratitude flowing again celebrating the anniversary of an addict who is important to us reminds us what a miracle it is that we are still here. A service commitment gets gets us to a meeting when desire doesn't. Sharing with the newcomer can bring us out of our funk. Carrying the message reminds us that we have a message. You know, sometimes we just have to get honest about where we are and let go of the belief that we're not supposed to share about feeling bad or wanting to use if we have the most clean time uh, in the room. Even when we don't, 
even when we, we don't want to, we know what to do. If you're feeling complacent, complace your ass and, oh, sorry, complace your end in the seat. The message is waiting. I was just kidding on that last part. But uh, this is a really good look. This paragraph for me, the comments, you know, can tie into into the the last paragraph of who read before me. You know, you're older now, wiser, more more mature. That sentence at the, the top of 231. I can tie that into to some of these here, um, you know, with me. And that's how addiction always hits me. And it just does, especially now, because like in my hometown, when I go up and kick it with my people, the our, our, our bow shop is now a weed dispensary, you know, and it, you know, and I'm old and I was like, well, fuck man, had no, we had to smoke Mexican brick weed. That's what I came up on. They have no fucking, you know, Walmart of weed. It just didn't have that, man. You know, it just wasn't the thing. I think now it's like, you know, I'm employed and, and, and stuff. Could it, could it be different? And then check this out. Here's how I know it can't right here, right here behind this, behind this door, I have work pants of every fucking color i've talked about this before of every color i only wear the khakis and the black ones that's all i wear i have green ones and a couple of different beige ones because that's all the options they sell on amazon so i got them you know and then when i eat you know a couple i'm on gluten-free now but I, I, i'll still fuck up the gluten-free oreos i can't stop can't car you're absolutely right moderation fuck moderation can't do it when i get on the masturbating i'll masturbate in a period of 24 hours more than i sleep Seriously, I mean, that's for, you know, and it's, and it's relatable. I used to feel fucked up about that until I started talking about it. And then and the people was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. You know, that's me. I'll fall asleep and wake up uh huh, with it in my hand, you know, and it's just, it, there's no fucking moderation. There is none. There is none. And, it, and, it, and that's what addiction hits me with. Smoke a joint. It'll be different. Smoke a joint, relax, take the evening off and then pick up. Fuck. And it's a lie. Man, it's a lie. And you people, you know, and, and, and that's what, and that's recovery. The basic text is real clear. It says recovery happens at our meetings, but guess I have to be at the meeting to, to experience it. You know, and that's where I feel, and that's where I hear the message. But check this out. I'll, I'll make one, you know, we can't recharge ourselves and stuff like this. And and is for me, my experience has been this. As long as I'm connected with the HP and I'm asking for help, puts the right people in my life at the right seasons and I hear what I need to hear and I'm able to share what I need to share. It never fails, man. It just really never fails. And, and sometimes like, you know how, you know how your hula hoop, sometimes my hula hoop is just filled with friends and people I'm connected with. And it just, it, it, it's, it's love. And then sometimes the landscape of my friends change a little bit and that's okay too. You know, and the last thing I'll say, you know, where it talks about celebrations propel us and stuff like that, you know, on the 18th, Brian celebrating three years. Right. So Uncle B, he got three. He'll have three years coming up. You know, a couple that that's coming up, Jen, the dirty 30. She has 30 coming up soon. Paul and Carl and Jane, you know, we're going to celebrate at the convention in January, you know, to do that. Folks, if you're listening here. If 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 you're if you're looking at your day and saying, man, fuck these people, I don't want to hear them share tonight. If you're on your way to the home group, right? You know, sometimes we think that way or something like this. And Carl, I appreciate your honesty. Carl sponsors actually here on the, on the that's good that you come up for playing on, on social media. You're going to have to straighten that out, Lee. But, you know, but if you're listening and you feel, you don't feel connected, you don't feel energized, get to, get your people and get to a fucking event. Do something. You know, do something because you don't have to feel, man, recovery is it, it's just not hitting on all cylinders. You don't have to. I made a decision years ago, man. I'm going to have a little bit of enjoyment each day. Something. I'm going to stay plugged in somehow or some way. You know, and and uh, um, and I'm glad that I got you people to experience that with each day. All right. I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Uh, my lie is uh, wine with a glass, a glass of wine with a steak. It's a lie. It's an, I, I, like I would just have one. That's how it would be. I would just have one. And I, why don't I deserve that? Carrie, jump in here and uh, be the voice of reason, for God's sakes. Oh, goodness. I'm the rookie on here. I don't know if I can do that, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, my name is Carrie. I'm an addict, uh, still an addict, grateful addict. And um, speaking of the convention, I'm going to try to come. I'm only about an hour and a half away. I'm super excited. It's my first one. So I am a Zoom uh, pandemic uh, recovery baby, however, whatever whatever term, term we're given. And um, so I do a lot of Zoom. I got 
clean on Zoom. Um, that's how I met Doug in a Wolfpacking meeting. He was my first home group. Um, <clears throat> and um, so I'm super excited to do my first um, convention. I have no idea what to expect, but I, I, I can't wait to go. Um, you guys have shared such awesome knowledge. And what's really hit me is, um, you know, we, I just moved from the Raleigh area where I was super connected, right? I got clean there. I had um, two different home groups there, um, lots of recovery network. My sponsor was there um, and I still have the same sponsor. We still talk two or three times a week, um, but I could go see her, you know, once a week we met, we talked, I mean, it's different here. It's not as big as a recovery group um, in the Outer Banks and I'm kind of, and I'm in between home groups that, but I'm pretty sure I found the one that I really, the meeting that I really like, and it has a ton of newcomers. So um, in keeping with that theme, you guys talking about um, when I found this meeting, it just like, I got my, my two-year tag there and it was, it was just a fire meeting. You know, when you go to these meetings and you just feel, I mean, it was just awesome. There were white tags given away. I mean, 30 days, nine months, like it, it was awesome. Um, and I've met a bunch of people in there, a bunch of women in there. Um, and I'm really liking it. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make that one my, um, my, my, my home group. They only have four meetings down here. Um, one, a, one, four days of the week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. <clears throat> and they're all at 7.30. So I'm hoping, I have young kids, but I'm hoping I can, I can change that. Um, but getting back to, uh, getting back to the readings, um, you know, I feel like, so in moving to the beach, it's a big resort town, big party town. And all of my family and friends are always telling me like, Carrie, you've been clean for so long, you know, like you can do this, Carrie, you can have a drink, Carrie, you can smoke some pot, like Carrie, you can, you know, and, and I talk to my sponsor about it all the time. And she says, Carrie, like that is, it's giving you a false sense of power. You know, it's like that it's your disease talking to you. And it's like someone I just said is exactly what my sponsor says. It's your disease telling you, you don't have a disease when I very clearly do, right? Like very clearly do. And um, <clears throat> I am just, um, like I have to tell myself every day, like I have to take action. I have to tell myself every single day that I do have this disease. Like I wake up, I do things for me. Like I go to the gym, right? I come home. I am with my kiddos. Like I do things with them. I, um, you know, I'm going to meetings. I'm hitting Zoom meetings. I'm hitting meetings in person. I'm calling my sponsor. I'm listening to this awesome podcast that you guys have turned me on to. Um, I started the basic text again. I haven't read it in like eight years. So I have to, I think the difference between all the other times when I've been in and out of the rooms and relapses and now is I'm ready for it, A, but B, I'm taking action. I'm continuing to do what's working. I'm not doing something half-assed or I'm not doing something until it's working and then quit doing it. I'm keeping on doing those things. Like I got all these things in rotation that are working and I keep on doing them. And that's what's been working for me. Keeping my sponsor, reworking the steps, reading literature, reaching out to a network. Um, and I think I could have fallen through the cracks when I moved here because there's not a very big recovery network. I'm pretty sure my sponsor would have come hunting me down, uh, down here and jerk my ass up. But um, I'm just so grateful. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the life that I now have because, because of all of this, because of you guys sharing, I've never wasted a moment of my time in a meeting or, or in this podcast. Um, and the last thing um, that I wanted to add, I was taking notes on what you guys were saying. Oh, I must've already said it. I have checks by everything. So I must've already said it. So um, I think that's all I got for tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Carrie. Glad you're here. Um, so the antidote for uh, complacency is gratitude. And everybody remember, gratitude's not a feeling. It's a verb of action. Okie dokie. Uh, Lisa, let's start on setting ourselves apart for the first two paragraphs of this chapter, please. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so setting ourselves apart. Whether they had three years or 30, we recall the members who had the most time when we got clean. We may or may not have liked them, but they still were important to us. We depend on those with more clean time to teach us and energize our recovery, but eventually we find that we are standing where they once did. We look around for the old timers and notice we're them. 
We are grateful for those who are still with us, but we must also be open to learning from those who come after us or we will get very lonely. Anonymity means that we are all equals in NA, no matter how much clean time we have. Remembering that can be hard sometimes, and we may need to remind one another that it's true. We can get caught up in expectations of where we should be or what we should know with our clean time. Honesty, humility, and a healthy sense of humor can help us navigate through these challenges. We learn to help members answer their own questions and not to feed the image of ourselves as an authority figure. The fact that people ask for our advice doesn't mean we are qualified to give it. We share our experience, strength, and hope, but we are careful with our opinions, especially when we know they're taken seriously. It's nice to feel important or respected, but we indulge in it at our peril. When we allow our fellow, fellow members to believe that we no longer have needs, the result is that we have nowhere to go when we are in pain. Um, so thank you, Paul, for asking me to, um, you know, share on this because I was just kind of, I don't know if I'm really in a complacent spot, but man, I'm just not fucking feeling it tonight. Uh, I'm quitting smoking. I am 30 hours away from cigarettes and I hate everything today. It sucks real bad. Um, and you know, like as we're kind of reading, like I'm relating to some of this stuff, but, um, you know, I guess it's just that like doing, you know, training our feet, doing what we need to do, continuing to show up as much as like, I want to lay in bed and be a grump and eat pizza and watch shitty TV right now. Like I'm here with you guys because it's like what I need to do and what I need to hear. Um, so like I, I kept my commitment, um, but I relate to this reading and interestingly, um, so I'm going to an out of town meeting uh, on Friday. My partner's sharing in a meeting that I haven't been to in probably six years, if I had to guess. And I messaged somebody um, today from down there who I also haven't talked to in a while. And we were just kind of catching up. And I said, oh, you know, hey, what about, um, so his name is Rich L from Indiana, PA. And I had said, you know, hey, is Rich still around? Because I really loved him when I first started coming around. He was always like that old timer who was just like super stoked on everybody. Um, and I learned today that he passed away of cancer last year, you know, um, and that was kind of rough to find out. Um, and it's, you know, um, it's just one of those moments where like lately I have kind of been feeling like the people, some of the people I got clean with have dropped off, you know, with seven, eight, nine, 10 years. Um, and I'm looking around going, where'd everybody go? Um, but you know, I think the, the longer I stick around, the more I realize, like, I have to continue with like the basics that were talked about earlier. And I have to stay honest and humble. Like, even though I'm not like, I have days where I want to get loaded. I have days, you know, like Paul said, it's a glass of wine with a steak you know, um, mine's like a margarita in the summertime seems like a good idea or like spiced rum with hot apple cider this time of year. Like it's always that dumb shit that sounds like, like it never looks like a bag of dope, right? Never looks like a bag of dope. Um, but I have those days too. And I do sometimes feel like, you know, um, with 10 years clean, I should know better. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be so angry. I shouldn't feel insecure. And I know I've been like sharing about that kind of often lately, but that's where I'm at right now. Um, and like part of that is an immense process to myself. Um, and I like where this reading also says, <clears throat> like we share our experience, strength and hope, and we're careful about our opinions. We don't, um, you know, give really advice. Um, and that's something I've really benefited from learning in the program is like, if I give you a piece of shitty advice and you think it's a good idea to follow my shitty advice and it goes wrong for you, like it could very easily be my fault. Right. And that could be like the thing that, that keeps you from hearing the message. Um, so it's like that old cliche, like, oh, I'll just share on my experience, but that's really all I have. You know, I can't share on experiences with other fellowships because I don't work their steps. I don't work their program. I don't have experience with that. Um, and that kind of helps me to remember to like, stay in my lane. I have a lot of issues with authority. I don't want to be taken as an authority figure either. That's way too much, too much pressure. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's important for me to like, I guess, practice some of that honesty and humility on my bad days. And when I'm struggling in my program, 
Um, because I still need, like, I can still be that sick and suffering addict and I still need you guys. And I still need NA to be there for me. Um, cause like, it doesn't give me the key to like this happily ever after ride off into the sunset life. It just teaches me how to deal with it without getting loaded today. So I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Jennifer, jump on in. Thanks, Paul. I just want to say that I prefer more experienced member versus old timer. Just me, my own opinion. I don't like that term. And um, I had somebody recently call me an old timer and I was like, I'm not an old timer. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. Um, anyways, okay, but I digress. That's not actually what I want to talk about. I just want to say that out loud. Um, the piece about anonymity means that we are all equals in NA, no matter how much clean time we have is like, that's like hit home for me, right? Because there are days where I sit in a meeting and I feel like the fucking newcomer, you know, and I've got this struggle and I'm in my head and I'm caving in, you know, on myself behind, you know, usually it's insecurities, you know, not feeling good enough. What am I going to, what am I going to do to, you know, if I do better, if I be better, if I do more, if I be more then I'll, you know, everything will be okay. You know, I suffer from a disease that wants more all the time for me, you know, and sometimes it wins. Um, but I love that, you know, because I can sit in a meeting and talk about my stuff if my ego doesn't get in the way and, um, you know, and, and, and spit it out, you know, and, uh, and I, I love, I love that. And I didn't always feel that way. You know, I did feel that way for a long time. I felt like I, I, how, how could I possibly tell people that I have problems, you know, and, and, um, you know, my sponsor regular reminds me that we all have problems and that I should probably stick to my own problems and not worry about other else, other people's problems, but, um, you know, that I, that I have problems. So, um, so that, that, that's good to know that I'm not well, right. I'm not perfect, but, um, you know, when, when I share my experience with my, in recovery, it's really what it is. If somebody comes to me and asks me like, you know, Hey, I don't know what to do about this. All I can do is say, this is what I did, or this is what I have my sponsor had me do. Um, you know, I've, 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 no, well, I gave Lisa unsolicited advice before the podcast <laughs> about smoking. Uh, but I was real clear that it was unsolicited, probably unwanted advice. Um, you know, but I need to be really careful as somebody that's been around for a minute to not throw my opinion and what I think somebody else should do out. Um, cause it can be harmful, you know? And, um, and so I, that's what I do. I share my experience. Um, I, I do the best that I can. And, and, and the one thing, um, that I know is that, you know, I, I'm just another addict trying to get another day clean, you know, and if I start there, then it levels the playing field for me, you know, um, I'm not better than you. I'm not less than you. I'm just trying to ride this recovery journey along with you. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Jennifer. Carl? I think I'd, I've done this inadvertently, I think several times in my recovery. You know, you come in, it's easy to be green because and I truly don't know shit, you know, and then I go through the steps a few times and I'm sharing in meetings and people are like, dude, I love what you share. I really appreciate how you view the steps or view the process. And it starts adding, you know, even though I'm telling myself, stay humble, you know, stay and like keep the anonymity part and understand that I'm not allowed the ego to take this new identity. Yeah, I can have all that knowledge, but eventually it still is edging forward and forward and forward. And and it does become like a super lonely place, you know, and I'm not really even sure how to, I guess maybe that's the wisdom of it all is like to, to continue into that balance of like knowing that I'm, I guess, gaining the wisdom and experience of that peril. It talks about, you know, it's nice to feel important or respected, but we indulge it at our own peril. You know, and it's even with these new sponsees that I have, they're like, they both are like, oh man, I heard you come in the meeting, you shared, and I, I knew that I appreciated what you shared and I want you to sponsor me. And it, it's e like, I'm like, no, I'm just an addict. And I say these things, right? I go through these motions of, hey, look, I'm just an addict. I'm just like you. But deep down inside, it does affect my ego. And I'm not even sure how to navigate those things. You know, even though I'm remaining conscious of them, it's still, when I go to share, <laughs> when I go to share in a meeting, I feel a little bit more pressure. I feel a little bit more push to have something great to say. 
And then, you know, it's like, I find myself in that place of shit. Can I say, Hey man, I'm just struggling to be present today. I'm struggling because I want to look at my phone in a meeting. I'm struggling because I just want to fucking leave, you know, um, and not even fucking be here. You know, I still go to meetings. I still call my sponsor. I still do these things, but it is a challenge. You know, I feel like, and I think also like my sponsor, and I'll say this and I'll share the time, but it, I was reading all these books, you know, and I was educating myself, especially like in different concepts of God and like, you know, all these different things, relationship stuff, blah, 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 blah. So I have all this information and it, it really kind of all, it made me even more crazy because it made me think that I had even more knowledge you know, but I didn't have wisdom. And I love that about this process, you know, and Paul always says it, you know, like that wisdom to know, you know, and I feel like over the years, I'm just gaining more and more wisdom to actually know that I don't know shit. So thanks. Yeah, that's my, that's my new thing. Wisdom is, uh, knowledge is what you know, wisdom is what you don't know. And you need to not, not know before you can know because it's the wisdom to know the difference so i know it's fucked up um uh, lee hand up come on in yeah thanks paul and carl i love you you're a great sponsee um and that's one of my favorite lines is i don't know but a lot of this uh ties into what i was trying to talk about earlier eventually we find that we're standing where they once did and we look around for old timers and we notice that we're them sorry she hulk don't go green on me for saying old timers jennifer's the she hulk i don't know if y'all know that um was, did i just break your anonymity wow see even with a lot of time you can still do messed up stuff um but i love the part where it says we're all equals and and I can be fed by anybody in this process, and I don't ever want to lose that ability. Um, <clears throat> and for a few months now, I've been saying, and, and I hope it's being received by our listeners, it's okay not to be okay, you know, no matter what we're dealing with, like chronic masturbation, like Douglas has or whatever. Um, I'll pay for that later, guys. I will pay for that later. Um, I love you, Douglas. But no matter what we're dealing with, it's okay. It's okay. And, and as an addict, I take that thing and I make it this big, huge, oh, my goodness. I can't figure out how to, you know, get my shoes on before 9 a.m. and get out of the house by 1030. Oh, Lisa, you gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have a long talk after this is over tonight, guys. Y'all need to be present for the after podcast. Um, and the fact that people ask us for our advice doesn't mean we're qualified to give it. And I've said a hundred thousand times, I think advice is the worst vice. And Lisa, I'm gonna tag you up real quick because you just said, um, I want to get, I want to be able to say this is what I did. And this were my, these were my results. And, and for me, that's the sum of, of our experience. And this is an experience-based program. And before I run out of my three minutes and people start jumping around back there, I want to give a shout out to Carrie. Carrie, we had literally hundreds of thousands of members at the inception of the pandemic when, when we transitioned from brick and mortar to virtual and it saved so many lives. And I have so much gratitude for, for our fellowship uh, being, well, not our entire fellowship, but for the majority of our fellowship being open-minded enough to switch our, our, our modality from, from the brick and mortar structure to uh, the virtual platform, which had been going on for 14 or 15 years, but it was mostly people with special needs, you know, and so, we were able to shine a light on that too and incorporate that in, when we went back to brick and mortar into having, you know, like handicapped accessible meetings where you can't get up two flights of stairs outside of a building. And, and it's just awesome. And it touched my heart when you said that I actually put in the chat, uh, clean on the screen, that's the term we use. 
Douglas, are you going to publish the chat into the, the podcast? No, he's shaking his head no. Thank you, Paul. I'm going to stop there. Thanks, Lee. Um, so the next paragraph starts with no amount of clean time can make us immune to our disease or exempt us from the challenges of life. Recovery is an everyday, just for today process. Join us next week. Unfortunately, I won't be here next week again because of work, but I loved seeing all of your faces and uh, speaking with everyone today out in um, the, the world. So uh, you all are important uh, against my complacency. So thank you so much. I love you all. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.